Here we are back to discuss more statements from Ward's report that fall between being grotesquely misleading and outright lies. At this point, we're pretty much just banging our heads against the wall. We can't believe we're still talking about the tire tracks, wheelbase, and hill prints, the dumbest so-called evidence that may have ever been allowed at a criminal trial. This is exactly the kind of junk science that has been completely discredited and identified as leading to numerous wrongful convictions. Everything Ward said about the tracks and prints is so wrong, it's been difficult for us to figure out where to start. He didn't make a cogent argument about the tracks. He just did a cut and paste from prior appeals briefs, literally a cut and paste. The short answer to all of this is that Morton, the person they put on the stand as their tire and shoe print expert, was not an expert in either field. The wheelbase of the tracks was 18 inches longer than the wheelbase of Clifton's truck. Forensic officers who photographed the tracks were specifically directed by Bob Bird to only take photos of tracks Bird identified as possibly matching Clifton's truck. Morton took plaster casts at the scene of the most relied upon and clear tracks and concluded that the cast did not match any of the tires on Clifton's truck. And not only could the heel print not be matched to Clifton's cowboy boots seized from his closet, Morton admitted that he did not even know if the print came from a boot or a shoe. Okay, first we'll tackle how TCSO forensics officers were directed to collect the tire and shoe evidence. This is Report of TCSO King, December 27, 1975, 1430 hours. Reporting officer arrived at the above location, northeast of Road 204 and Ave 288, Exeter. Reporting officer was advised by Sergeant Bird to assist Detective McKinney in an attempt to locate any tire tracks made by suspect vehicle. Several tracks were located and photographed by the crime lab. TCSO Report McKinney. December 27, 1975, approximately 10.10 hours. Reporting officer was contacted and asked to a location on Road 176, just north of Avenue 264, as possibly items belonging to Donna Richmond had been found. Reporting officer arrived at approximately 10.25 hours. Deputy W.J. King pointed out to reporting officer a pair of women's underpants and a sanitary belt containing a cotex. Pointed out also to reporting officer were tire tracks of a vehicle. Vehicle appeared to reporting officer to have been northbound on road 176, pulling off on east side of road, then attempting a U-turn by pulling across road 176 into the dirt, backing up, and then completing turn, and went back south on road 176 towards Ave 264. From location where items were found to where tire tracks were found was approximately 50 feet north. Testimony of Hensley at trial, June 29, 1976, cross-examination by Donahue. People's 36, Mr. Hensley, this is a picture of what you have called which tire? The left rear. This is a footprint in that tire? It's what appeared to be a footprint, yes. Made before or after the car moved in or out of there? Before. Pardon me. It was made after the vehicle tire track was made. Did you tell me a while ago when we were talking about this scene on Road 176 that you didn't find any footprints up there around where the tires were? As I recall, Counsel, we were talking about a different different scene. However, there were numerous officers at the scene. All right, look at this picture. Tell me which officer or officer's shoe print that is. I have no idea. You don't even know if it's an officer's shoe print, do you? No, I do not. 
Well then, how, what about all the rest of them out there? How did you determine they were all made by the sheriff's office? You didn't, did you? I found no foot tracks that appeared to be connected, nor was I instructed to photograph any. Here is a footprint that you cannot identify, correct? That is correct. On what basis did you determine this footprint was not connected with this particular crime? Did you just guess? I used my judgment at the time, yes sir. Based upon what did you make the judgment? You guessed, Mr. Hensley, isn't that correct? Powell, objection, it's compound and it's argumentative. He's already testified the tracks, the footprint was made on top of the tire track. Court, he's under cross-examination, overruled. Hensley, all I can say, counsel, is to reiterate that there were no photographs that appeared to be connected with this case, that numerous officers and other people were at the scene and I was not instructed by the investigating officers to photograph any foot tracks at the scene. All right. Did Sergeant Bird see the footprint out there, or do you know? Sergeant Bird was the primary investigating officer at the scene. I cannot recall or do not know what he saw and what he took as important at the time. Isn't he the one that told you to take these photographs? Between him and Detective McKinney, yes, sir. Going back to my question, you said that on your judgment you did certain things, and that one of them was that you did not photograph footprints out on Road 176 other than this one that accidentally got in the picture. Isn't that correct? That is correct. You didn't even notice this until after the picture had been developed, did you? At this point, I don't recall whether I did or not. However, I feel sure that I would have. You would have what? I feel that I would have noticed it prior to photographing it. All right, then I assume from what you're telling me, if you did notice it, based upon your judgment, it has nothing to do with this case. Is that correct? At the time, I guess it would be a fair statement. At the time you saw it, you just guessed that it had nothing to do with this case. Isn't that correct? I feel sure that I would have contacted the other investigating officers and it would have been disregarded on their, on their judgment as well as my own. All right, sir. Then you tell me exactly what did happen concerning this footprint. Did you contact any investigating officers? I feel sure I would have. Did you? I do not recall. Do you recall any investigating officers telling you either to or not to take a photograph of the footprint? I made a search of the area for tire tracks and any and all tracks which would have been of evidentiary value in this case. The investigating officers said nothing about foot tracks. I feel sure that I would have contacted them regarding that foot track had I saw it. However, considering the time of day, considering the type of soil that it was in, it is very possible that it might not have been seen at the time due to glare and due to the type of soil. Well, Mr. Hensley, Sergeant Hensley, you didn't have any trouble at that time of day and that type of light finding that there was a tire track out there, did you? Yes, I did. Did somebody have to take you and lead you, show you where it could be located? They could be seen fairly well. I did have to use a flashlight in certain areas to see where I wanted to photograph. Certainly. You used a flashlight to take this picture, didn't you? A flashlight bulb? No, sir. I used a standard flashlight in certain areas to enhance the ridges where I could pick out the best areas and photograph. And isn't it a fact, Sergeant Hensley, you did the same thing at the other scene as far as taking pictures where concerned? Isn't it a fact that you just picked and chose what you thought was important in this case? My own judgment, as well as the other investigating officers. All right. At the other scene, that was Mr. McKinney. Detective McKinney. Yes, sir. Was he the only one? 
Detective McKinney and Sergeant Bird. Now, let's look at people's number 35, sir. Was this taken at daylight or dark? Daylight. At about what time? Approximately 12 noon. Were you having any trouble seeing at that time, sir, as far as footprints were concerned? Normally, due to the sun being almost straight up, you do occasionally have trouble seeing tracks in light-colored soil if it's coarse, and this was the case in several instances in this case. Testimony of TCSO McKinney at trial, June 29, 1976. Cross-examination by Donahue. All right, and then did you walk from this location back down to Avenue 288? Yes, sir, I did. All right, and could you see tire marks all the way through there? Yes, sir. Who was with you? Detective King. At the time that you were doing the walking out there, was Sergeant Bird, had Sergeant Bird arrived yet? I believe he was there, sir. However, he did not go with me. Okay, now in reference to these four good tire tracks that you could follow right down through this road. I could follow four part of the way from the highway, then only follow two, which appeared to be the two rear tires. And how could you distinguish between the two rear tires and the two front tires? The rear tires go over the front tires as they're traveling. Okay. Did you direct Sergeant Hensley in his, in him conducting his part of this investigation at all? Did I direct him? Yes. I assisted. We together picked out the locations where photos would be taken. Did you specifically tell him of places to take photos and other photos not to be taken? I circled several tracks that I'd wanted photographed. Yes, sir. Testimony of TCSO Brian Johnson at trial, June 25th and 28th, 1976. Testimony about the scene where Donna's bike is found. Donahue, then how many tire tracks were there? There was, I believe, one good tire track and possibly a fragment of another. I took several photographs of each. I couldn't hear you. I took several photos of each. All right, and this, the one good tire track is the one that you have just put up in black. Is that right? Yes. All right. Where was the, what did you call the other uh, possible fragment? It was just part of a tire track, which was running, well, be right about in there. The good tire track would be overlapping it. All right. And you took photographs of that also? Yes, I did. Now, you've taken some photos, as you have indicated up there, of a one tire mark, which is overlapped by another tire mark. Is that the way I understand it? Yes, sir. And did you have anything to do with measuring these tire marks? The length of them, the width of them, the depth of them, or anything to do with measuring the tire marks? There were no measurements taken at this scene here. Now, Detective Johnson, at the scene where the bicycle was located, did you observe two sets of tennis shoe marks? I observed some tennis shoe marks, yes, sir. Did you take any photographs of those? No, sir, I did not. Can you tell me, first of all, why you did not take any photos of the tennis shoe marks? I was advised when I got there that there had been the two brothers in the area and that the tennis shoe marks appeared similar, so I didn't photograph them. Well, who told you this? Nobody told me not to photograph them. Who told you that the who told you that the so-called shoes the boys were wearing were the same or similar to the marks there at the scene? I believe it was Sergeant Bird. Where were these tennis shoe marks in relation to the bicycle, if you recall? I don't recall. Do you recall where the tennis shoe marks were located at all? There was 
they were generally on the south side of the drive. And were there other marks, shoe marks, around in that area? I don't recall, sir. Were there other tire marks around in that area? At the time, on the south side of the road or the dirt drive where I photographed them was no others other than the ones that I photographed. How about on the north side of the driveway? On the north side of the driveway, there was people and cars. When you first arrived on the scene, Detective Johnson, about how many people were out there, as you recall it? Could there was possibly anywhere from 15 to 20 people that I could see. Other than these two sets of tennis shoe marks that Sergeant Bird evidently advised you not to photograph or told you that they were similar to some shoes the boys were wearing, did you find any other shoe or footprint marks? No, sir. Do you remember looking at those tennis shoe marks? I remember seeing the tennis shoe marks. June 28, 1976. Now, Mr. Johnson, there were some shoe tracks around the bicycle, weren't there? As I recall, yes, there were. Do you have any photographs of them? No, I believe I stated I didn't take any photographs of them. Because Sergeant Bird told you not to? I, I, don't, I don't recall Sergeant Bird told me not to. Well, did anyone tell you not to take pictures of shoe tracks around there? I don't recall. What did you testify to Friday? I believe I testified I didn't take any foot track photos. And now you come in and you show us a photograph, correct? I believe also I said that was that any foot tracks that were in the photos were secondary. I was photographing tire tracks. Any footprints would have been secondary. What does that mean? Well, that means I was not concentrating on photographing the foot track at the time. If it did get in the photograph, it was not intentional. Take a look at the photograph you have right in front of you. Yes, sir. It's a picture of a bicycle, right? Yes, sir. You mean to tell me that you weren't interested in looking for a footprint for the little girl who got off that bicycle? I didn't say I wasn't interested. I said I was photographing tire tracks. You said it was secondary, right? I said that if they got in the photograph, it was secondary. You mean to tell me, sir, that you weren't looking for footprints around this bicycle? As I said, I made the decision not to photograph the footprints because I was advised that they were similar to the brothers. You were advised by whom that they were similar to her brother's shoes? Sergeant Bird. So for that reason, then, footprints were secondary. Is that correct? They were secondary in the photograph, sir. Secondary to what? The tire tracks which I was photographing. Okay, did you take any other photographs other than right there by the bicycle? Of tire tracks? Of anything. Yes, sir. I took photos of tire tracks away from the bicycle and of the, I believe, just north of the bicycle. How about footprints? No, sir. I took no photographs of any footprints. Okay. Did you take a photograph of what supposedly was a boot print? Not at that scene, no. Some other place? Sergeant Hensley would have taken those. At the scene where the bicycle was found, because Sergeant Bird told you that these footprints are similar to her brother's, you didn't take any photographs. Is that correct? That's correct. How many shoe tracks or footprints did you observe around that bicycle, if any? I didn't make a count. Did you see more than one? Did you see any footprints there? Yes, sir. Did you see more than one set of footprints? Yes, sir. How many did you see? You mean sets, different types? Right. Two that I can remember. Two sets of footprints, right? I believe so, yes. What color, what type of shoe was, what type of shoe did the victim wear? She wore a high platform type shoe. All right. Referring to the bottom of the shoe, do you recall the design? I believe it was flat. No rims? Not that I can recall. Okay. Did you find Donna Jo's footprints there at the scene where the bicycle was found? I don't believe I did. Well, now either you did or you didn't, right? 
Powell. Objection, Your Honor. The court. It's argumentative. Donahue. Mr. Johnson, did you find any footprints where you found the bicycle that you could identify as being Donna Joe's footprints? Objection. Overruled. He may answer. Johnson. No, sir. I don't believe I did. Did you or did you not find any footprints there that you could identify as Donna Joe's? I don't recall. Well, then, you didn't find any that you could identify as being hers, did you? I don't recall. Mr. Johnson, how long have you been with the sheriff's office? Three years. And what is your rate or rank? Deputy. Deputy what? Deputy. Just a deputy sheriff? Yes, sir. And you work in the crime lab? Yes, sir. How long have you worked there? Three years. Now, what are your duties when you work in the crime lab? Merely to photograph and collect evidence. Do you make out written reports? Yes, sir, I do. Do you have one? Yes, sir. Of this case? Yes, sir. With you? Yes, sir. Please read it. Beginning where? At the beginning. Powell. Your Honor. Not out loud. Powell. I would object. There's no question in front of him, in front of the witness. Donahue. The question is this. You can't recall whether you found any footprints out there that belonged to Donna Joe Richmond. I want you to read that report and tell me whether in that report you can say, I did or I did not find any shoe prints that belonged to the victim. I want you to read that report and tell me whether in that report you can say, I did or I did not find any shoe prints that belonged to the victim. Powell. Your Honor, that's improper. It's a question. If he cannot remember and he has to use his notes to refresh his memory, then he could just ask him to do that. Court. Well, I think we can save ourselves a little time. I'm sure everyone has seen the report. If he's got this in there somewhere, why don't you just point it out to him? It might save time. Because it's not in there. All right, then put it to him in that manner. That's what I tried to do, and he said, I can't recall. That's the reason I want him to read his report and then tell us. Court. How long is that report? Donahue. Let me put it this way, Mr. Johnson. If you would have found some footprints out there that belonged to the little girl... Yes, sir. You would have noted it in your report, wouldn't you? Yes, sir. All right. Read your report. There's nothing in there. I stated I did not take any photographs out there. Therefore, I did not put it in my report of the shoe tracks. No. What you stated in answer to my question is that... Powell. Objection. This is argumentative. Donahue. No, I'm not arguing. Overruled. Donahue. You said you couldn't recall. Isn't that correct? Johnson. That's correct. Now read your report and see if you can recall it. It is not in there. Then, you did not find any shoe prints out there that you could identify with the victim, could you? No, sir. Did you find any other shoe prints out there other than those two sets you talked about? It's not in my report. That is not the question. That isn't the question, sir. Would you read the question back to him, Miss Reporter? Mr. Powell, I have an objection. It's been asked and answered. He asked him, how many shoe prints did you see out there? He said he saw two sets of footprints. Court. Did you understand the question? Johnson. Yes, sir. Court. All right. You may answer it. Johnson. Would you read the question back, please? Did you find any other shoe prints out there other than those two sets you talked about? Yes, sir, I did. Did you photograph those? No, sir, I did not. 
Well, other than Sergeant Bird telling you that two sets of tracks out there were similar to her brother or somebody, those shoes the brother was wearing, why was it that you did not take any photographs of the other shoe prints that you found out there? Because there was numerous people out there at that time, I felt the majority of them would probably be those people. Well, Mr. Johnson, were there any other tire tracks out there? There was tire tracks from deputies' vehicles, my vehicle. How about the people that worked in the field? Didn't they leave? Were there any tire tracks of theirs? I wouldn't know, sir. Well, how do you know that there were tracks from the vehicles belonging to the sheriff's office? Because at the time I arrived out there, the tracks were right behind the sheriff's vehicles. Okay, this is an orange grove? Yes, sir. And you mean to tell me that there weren't any tire tracks coming down between those trees anywhere in that area? I didn't say there wasn't. Did you look for them? Yes, sir. Did you take any photographs of them? No, sir, I did not. Why? I felt that the tire tracks close and near to the bicycle were of evidentiary value. The ones further away were not. All right, so we do not... You didn't take any pictures of any footprints? No, sir. And any tire tracks that you didn't feel were connected with this situation, you ignored them. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, then, there were other tire tracks present, there were other footprints present, but you picked and chose the ones you wanted to photograph. Is that correct? Yes, sir. In other words, somebody else could have been in that grove with a car, with a pickup. The tire tracks could be there, were there, and you simply chose to ignore them. Is that correct? Powell. Objection. It's argumentative. He's already answered. Court. Overruled. He may answer. Johnson. The tire tracks were there. They were not photographed. All right. Where were these tracks that were not photographed? They were... There were some located on the dirt drive running north and south of the scene. Now, between point one and point two, is that a dirt driveway or a paved driveway? I believe it's a little of both. All right. Were there any tire marks between point one and two? As I recall, there was some. Did you take any photographs of them? No, sir. Why? They were either too fragmented to photograph or I didn't feel that they were pertinent to the case. All right. Between point one and two, there's a dirt drive that runs east and west? Yes, sir. Did you find any tire marks on that dirt drive before you get to the bicycle, west of the bicycle? I believe there was some dirt marks, some cars that had pulled in here just west of the bicycle. Did you photograph any of those tires? No, sir, I did not. All right. Now, this is an orange grove on the north side. This is the orange grove on the south side of this dirt drive. Were there tire marks in the orange grove? I didn't look for any in the orange grove. Were there any on the north side? I didn't look for any in the orange grove. Mr. Johnson, did you make any plaster casts of any of those tire tracks out there at the scene where the bicycle was located? No, I did not. Did anybody do it that you know of? There were plaster casts made at a different scene. And where are they? I believe they're still in possession of the man who made them. Am I correct, Mr. Johnson, in that you picked and chose which footprints, which tire tracks, which prints you would photograph? Powell. Objection. It's been asked and answered already. He said yes. Court. Overruled. You may answer. Johnson. I picked tire tracks in the area of the bike. The other two tire tracks that were photographed were pointed out to me by various officers. Then there were other tire tracks out there that you did not photograph. This is correct. There were other footprints out there that you did not photograph? Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Johnson, isn't it a fact that when Mr. Bird showed you that invoice book, the whole investigation was concentrated right there? You mean in the area of the invoice book? That's right. 
Yes, sir, it was. And despite the fact that there were other footprints and other tire tracks, it was right there where everything was concentrated. Yes, sir. And you did not find one footprint from Donna Jo Richmond, did you? No, sir. Did it ever? Well, let me rephrase it. While you were out there making your investigation, didn't you finally come to a little question in your mind as to how Donna Jo Richmond got off that bicycle? Powell. Objection. Port sustained. Donahue. Since you did not find a footprint, any footprint that you could identify with Donna Jo Richmond, didn't you wonder how she got off the bicycle? Powell. Objection. Court sustained. Donahue. Was there anything in that area? This area right here, looking at people's exhibit number eight, was there anything in this area by the bicycle on either side of it that indicated to you any impression on the dirt that somehow or other she stepped off her bicycle? As of this time, I didn't, I don't remember any impression. There's not much for us to say here. This investigation never attempted to follow the evidence. We shouldn't even use the word investigation. It was a farce. We can't be the only ones who listen to Johnson's testimony and immediately wonder if all of the tracks and shoe prints that Johnson ignored because he felt they matched police vehicles or deputy shoes might have actually been revealing the true killer. Next, we'll turn our attention to Ward's statement about the wheelbase findings. The wheelbase of the vehicle making the tracks, i.e. distance from front to rear tire, was approximately 150 inches. Note, Sergeant Hensley testified to both a wheelbase of 130 inches and 150 inches. Oscar Clifton's pickup truck had a front width of 64 and one half inches, rear width of 60 and three quarter inches, and a wheelbase of 152 inches. Expert testimony established that there is usually some deviation when comparing such measurements because of tire inflation and coarse condition of the soil. Let's start off by clarifying one quick point. Wheelbase measurements were only taken at the scene on Road 176 where Donna's underwear was found. Those tracks were not found at the scene, but rather 50 feet north and on the other side of the road. Also, Morton took plaster casts of those tracks and concluded that they did not match any of the tires on Clifton's truck. So we're talking about random tracks on the side of a major road, which conclusively did not match Clifton's truck. But let's go ahead and see what Hensley found about those wheelbase measurements. This is report of TCSO Hensley, December 27, 1975, 1200 hours. Reporting officer and detective Brian Johnson arrived at the scene on road 176, just north of Avenue 264. Tire tracks were observed both east and west sides a road 176 opposite each other. The vehicle apparently drove onto the east shoulder, across the pavement, and stopped in the soft dirt of the west shoulder, and then backed out. Although the tire tracks were primarily on a curve at this scene, an attempt was made to obtain wheel measurements. They were approximately rear, 61 and one half, front, 64 and one half, wheelbase 150 inches. 1530 hours, returned to Jackson's towing service and reprocessed the vehicle number one, belonging to subject Clifton. Reporting officer and Deputy Johnson then attempted to obtain wheel measurements from the vehicle. They were rear, 60 and three quarters, front, 64 and one half, wheelbase, 132 inches. 1730 hours, reporting officer secured from the towing service. 
TCSO Hensley testimony at trial, June 29, 1976, direct by Powell. Would you tell me how it is you're able to measure that? Measurement is taken from where the vehicle front tire and rear wheel stops, and then when it backs up, you measure from the where the front stops to where the rear stops. All right, and what was the distance of the wheelbase measurements? Approximately 130 inches. Mr. Hensley, you've told us of the measurements you took at the scene on Road 176 as to the wheel widths and the wheelbase of the vehicle that made those marks at Road 176. Did you measure the wheel widths and wheelbase of the defendant, Oscar Archie Clifton's pickup? Yes, I did. And what were those measurements? Do you have those in your report? Yes, I do. May I check it, please? Please. The measurements on the defendant's vehicle were rear width, 60 and 3 quarter inches, front, 64 and 1 half inches, wheelbase, 152 inches. I'm not sure. You went a little fast for me. The rear was 60 and 3 quarters? Yes, sir. And the front was how much? 64 and 1 half. And the wheelbase was 152? Yes, sir. You heard that correctly. Hensley completely messed up those measurements during his testimony. The wheelbase of the tracks on road 176 was 150 inches in his written report and then 130 inches at trial. The measurement of the wheelbase of Clifton's truck was 132 inches in the impound yard and 152 inches at trial. It's possible that Hensley inverted the numbers on the stand accidentally, or he was trying to test a lie. We don't know. However, the measurement was off by either 18 or 22 inches. D.A. Powell's closing arguments at trial, July 12, 1976. The wheelbase, the distance between the wheels, they estimated the wheelbase measurement at 130 inches. The wheelbase estimate was actually 132 when they measured the truck, and Mr. Hensley explained that that's very easy to make a mistake of two inches in trying to guess with the tracks going into the dirt, stopping, and then they back up, and certainly that seems to me to be surprisingly accurate, and I think you will find that is the case. So Powell just told the jury that Hensley gave evidence that the wheelbase of the tire tracks on Road 176 was only off from Clifton's truck by two inches, really almost exact, remarkably close given the rough conditions. However, that was a total and complete lie. Hensley's written report found 18 inches of difference, and his testimony showed 22 inches. We're pretty sure that Hensley was supposed to change one of the numbers on the stand. He was supposed to say that the wheelbase of the tracks was 130 inches, and then give the correct number of 132 inches for Clifton's truck. But Hensley screwed it up. The reason that we believe that this was an intentional plot is that Hensley was supposedly reading directly from his report when he testified that Clifton's truck wheelbase was 152 inches. But the report in front of him clearly said 132. He couldn't keep track of his prior lie on the stand when he changed the tire tracks from 150 to 130, so he lied twice and ended up making the measurement difference 22 inches apart instead of 2 inches like he planned. It didn't matter. Powell just went ahead and changed his testimony for him when he recapped it to the jury. After the TCSO officers had testified about the tire tracks, Donahue objected to the admission of all of the tire track evidence. Testimony at trial, June 29, 1976. Donahue. 
Well, my objection to the question is that it's not relevant, and I don't see it's even competent. This is all very enlightening, but there hasn't been anything, to this day at least, to indicate that these tire marks were made by the wheels of Mr. Clifton's car or vehicle. We have sat here for a day or two listening to various tire marks being brought in. Unless there's something brought forth to perhaps an offer of proof to tie all this together, I don't believe at this time this testimony is relevant. The court. Do you have an offer of proof, Mr. Powell, as far as relevancy? Powell. Yes, Your Honor. As counsel knows, my experts on the tire tracks will not be here until this afternoon. This witness did measure the width of the tracks at the scene, which is relevant. This would indicate a possible way of identifying the vehicle driven by the criminal in this case. I propose to have him testify both as to the rear measurements and of the width and also the front measurements of the width and also the wheelbase of the vehicle that made those tracks. We would then proceed to the area of the orange grove and have him do the same thing. As indicated in my opening statement, Mr. Morton of the Forensic Science Lab will then come down and will testify. By the way, these same wheel measurements, the testimony that will be elicited from him, will show that they are almost identical to the wheel measurements of Mr. Clifton's pickup. When Mr. Morton gets here, Mr. Morton will testify, as I indicated in my opening statement, that the tires are similar to Mr. Clifton's and in similar positions on the vehicle. In other words, they were in an X-type mounting on the vehicle, similar tires being in the upper right and lower left, etc. I think it's very relevant. The court. All right. The objection is as to relevancy. Is that correct, Mr. Donahue? Donahue. Yes, sir. The court. The objection is overruled. So the judge ruled that the tire track evidence was relevant, not based on what he had heard from TCSO, but on Powell's promise that Morton would match the tire tracks to specific makes and models of tires, and then show that Clifton had those same tires on his truck. What the judge was expecting to hear was Morton say he'd identified a BF Goodrich Heavy Duty Express Nylon 715LT from the tire tracks on the ground, and that Clifton also had a BF Goodrich heavy-duty Express Nylon 715LT tire on his truck. The judge also expected Morton to identify all four tires from the tracks, so two different models of BF Goodrich tires in specific positions, identified from the tracks at the scene. That never happened. Morton pointedly could not identify any of the tracks as belonging to any make of tire, and he couldn't even come close to saying that they came from Clifton's truck. However, Ward's report makes Morton's conclusion sound pretty good. Charles Morton, a criminalist with the Institute of Forensic Sciences in Oakland, conducted an examination of photographs of the tire tracks at the locations where the body, bicycle, and panties were found, and compared these photographs with inked impressions made by the tires on Clifton's pickup truck. This examination established that Clifton's vehicle had two different models of tires, BF Goodrich Silverton Extra Miler 715LT tires with similar tread patterns on the right rear and left front of the vehicle, and BF Goodrich Heavy Duty Express Nylon 715LT tires with similar tread pattern on the right front and left rear. Mr. Morton testified that the tire tracks found at the three locations above, body, bicycle, and panties, were comparable in tread pattern and tire position on the vehicle leaving the tracks with tires on Clifton's pickup truck. He also stated that certain tire wear patterns were comparable and consistent as well. 
His conclusion was that the tire tracks made at all three scenes were made by a vehicle which had the same general tread design in the same positions on the vehicle as the tire placement on the white Ford pickup truck belonging to Oscar Clifton. Wow, okay, that sounds fairly convincing. Comparable and consistent, no real qualifiers. Maybe Morton was sure that the tires and tracks matched. Morton's testimony at trial, June 29th, 1976, direct examination by Powell. Would you state your name, please? Yes, Charles V. Morton. And Mr. Morton, what is your occupation? I'm a criminalist with the California, with the Institute of Forensic Sciences in Oakland. Would you tell us what a criminalist is? Yes, a criminalist is involved in the examination and evaluation of physical evidence. And would you tell us what the Institute of Forensic Sciences is? Yes, it's a private organization that does physical evidence examinations in the area of forensic pathology, toxicology, and criminalistics. Does this for private attorneys as well as public agencies. What is meant by forensic science? I don't understand. That portion of science that deals with legal matters. All right, and would you tell us how long you've been occupied by this field of endeavor? Yes, I've been in working in this field for 14 years. And would you tell us what formal education training you've had? I have my Bachelor of Science degree in criminalistics from the University of California, Berkeley, and I have my master's degree also in criminalistics from the University of California, Berkeley. And do you belong to any professional associations or organizations? Yes, I belong to the American Academy of Forensic Sciences, and I'm president-elect of the California Association of Criminalists. And have you any other professional, any other matters related to your professional life in this field, such as other training or something of that nature, training or articles? I've published an article in the Journal of Forensic Sciences, and I have, I've taught in this field for five years on a full-time basis and a part-time basis for the last year and a half. And have you testified before? Yes, I have on numerous occasions. And have you testified in Superior Court in California? Yes, I have. And Mr. Morton, have you previously testified as an expert with regard to tire tracks? Yes, I have. Have you previously testified as an expert with regard to footprints? Yes, I have. And these have been in the Superior Court in California? Yes. Now, in connection with the case of the kidnapping and homicide of Donna Jo Richmond, did you make some examination of the physical evidence? Yes, sir, I did. And would you tell us, what were the general areas of the evidence that you examined? I examined a wide range of physical evidence, from clothing to tire tracks, footprints, and items of clothing for trace evidence. All right. Now, did you, in this case, conduct an examination with regard to tire tread marks that were found at various locations? Yes, I did. And did you have this, did you compare these with known prints of known tires? Yes, I did. All right. What were the geographical areas from which the tire marks were found that you examined? They were identified to me by Brian Johnson, and they were identified as uh, an Avenue 288 east of the canal location of the body, road 176, one half mile north of 264, locations where the panties and sanitary napkin were found, and List Avenue, Exeter, California, the location where the bicycle was found. All right, let me show you what has been marked as plaintiff's number 38 for identification, which is a set of three photographs, and each photograph has a picture of an evidence stand on them. Did you examine those photographs? Yes, I did. And would you tell us, sir, what your findings were with regard to each of these photographs? All right, evidence stand 33, examination of the photograph, showed that the pattern of the ridges that are present on the tire was comparable to the left front tire 
and the right rear design showed in exhibit number 42 and 43. All right, now if that tire had, before you testified today, if that tire where evidence stand 33 was found, if that tire mark had been identified as the left front tire, is that compatible with your findings that it could have been made from the left front tire? Yes. All right, would you now look at the photo with evidence stand number 31? I think it's the next photo in order. Yes. Would evidence stand number 31, that photograph, if that had been previously identified as the left rear tire, what were your findings with regard to that? The foreprint in that photograph is sufficient to indicate that either the left rear or the right front tire could have made that print, but the wear characteristics that are present are not sufficient to give any degree of, of comparison between the two. Would you look at number 30, evidence stand 30 in that same exhibit? If that tire had been previously identified here, the track marked previously identified as the right front tire, what would, is your findings is that it would be compatible? It would be compatible with either the right front or left rear. All right. Now, were those photos identified? I believe you said they were identified where they came from. What location did they come from? Yes, those were Avenue 288, east of the canal location of the body. Now, Mr. Morton, let me show you what has been marked as Plaintiff's 36 in evidence, which again is a series of four photographs that have been enlarged and appear to be of tire tracks. Did you have occasion to examine those photographs and compare them to the tires that you mentioned? Yes, I did. Now, looking first, or let me ask you this, where were you told these tire prints came from? What location? These were identified as having come from Road 176, about a half mile north of 264. Okay, and with regard to the photograph showing evidence stand number 26, what, if there had been prior testimony that this was what appeared to be the left rear tire, what would be your findings with regard to that? My finding was that the pattern found was comparable to both the right front and the left rear. All right, and would you look at the photograph showing evidence stand number 22? Assuming there was prior testimony that the track was made by the right front of a vehicle, did you compare that and what was your finding? Yes, sir. It was found to be comparable to the tread patterns on the right front and the left rear. And calling your attention to the photograph showing evidence stand number 23, assuming that that had been identified as the right rear tire, what were your findings with regard to that? 23 was comparable in tread pattern to the right rear and the left front, but the wear appears to be greater than the left front and more comparable to the right rear tire. Now, calling your attention to the last photograph in that exhibit showing evidence stand number 19, assuming that that was or has been identified by previous testimony as the left front, what were your findings with regard to that tire? The wear pattern, pardon me, the comparison of the tread patterns was comparable to the right rear and the left front, but the wear pattern that was found on the tires was more comparable to the left front than the right rear. Now, Mr. Morton, did you also examine some tire tracks that were identified to you as coming from a scene on List Avenue where the bicycle was found? Yes, I did. All right. Let me show you what has been marked as plaintiff's number 44 for identification, which is consists of six enlarged photographs in just a random order. Would you look at those and tell us which ones, identifying them by the evidence stands, would you tell us which ones you examined? Yes. 15, 6, 2, 4, 1, and 5. Oh, pardon me. I did not examine five. All right. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. It was on the next page. All right. Would you tell us what, if anything, your examination determined from those photographs? Yes. Photo photograph number 15, actually evidence stand 15, shows a pattern type that is found in the left front and right rear tire. However, the wear is much more similar to the right rear than the left front. All right. And the rest of your examinations on those? 
Number six shows a tire track in which the pattern was similar to the right rear and the left front. The wear pattern appears to be somewhat more compatible with the left front than the right rear. Number two shows a pattern comparable to the left rear and the right front. The wear pattern is not sufficiently apparent to allow any distinguishing determination. Anything further? Between nothing further than just the pattern of the tread. All right. Uh, number four, the pattern is comparable to the left rear and the right front, but there's no way of telling whether it's from one or the other, these or any other similar tire. All right. Number one shows a tire tread which is comparable to the left rear and the right front. Again, no ability to determine a degree of wear or individualizing characteristics. All right. Number five is comparable to the right rear and the left front, and that wear is apparent, although it is rather faint. It appears to be more comparable to the right rear, although this may be due to some surface effects or lighting. Now, Mr. Morton, with regard to these examinations that you've testified to, these were all made, I understand, by comparing the tire photographs and the tires which are represented in those exhibits on the board. Yes, primarily. I also took some casts some days after the original investigation of the tracks at the area where the, uh, let's see, that was road 176, one half mile north of 264. All right. And did you use that as another means for your examination? Yes. Now, I think you used the term specific characteristics. Did you use that term with regard to tire tracks? Probably specific individual characteristics. Would you tell us what specific individual characteristic is? Yes. Those are the kind of things that occur due to wear, uh, damage of, a, uh, of an object such as a tire track or, pardon me, a tire or a shoe in which it develops characteristics that allow you to uniquely identify that print as having come from that particular shoe or that particular track, tire track. In this case, the character of the photographs and the condition at which I saw it did not allow me did not allow me to make any determinations along those lines. All right, so if I understand it, there were no specific individual characteristics by which you could say that those four tires made those particular tracks as opposed to any other tire in the world. That's correct. All right, then are you concluding then that these tire tracks were made by a vehicle which had the same tread design and those same positions on the vehicle? That's correct. Donahue's cross-examination of Morton. Now, in regard to, in addition, Mr. Morton, did photographs of tire tracks at various locations, did anybody make, as far as you know, any plaster casts of the tire tracks that were submitted to you? No one else made plaster casts. I made plaster casts of, uh, of several impressions at the location of the sanitary napkin on, if I can find that location. Road 176? Road 176. I made several there, uh, several days later after the 
they were located and the original photographs were taken. No other plaster casts were made of, to my knowledge. Okay, now what did you do with those plaster casts? I took them back to the laboratory and used them for preliminary examinations and have them with me. All right, now those plaster casts, well, let me rephrase it. Isn't the taking of plaster casts and making of plaster molds, however you term it, a more expert way of comparing the tires with the prints as opposed to photographs and tires? Powell, objection. That's an ambiguous question. The term, the more expert way. Court, you might rephrase it, counsel. Donahue, all right, your honor. Isn't it a better practice, Mr. Morton, to obtain plaster casts of the tracks as opposed to just photographs? I advise that both photographs and plaster casts be taken. But as a result of taking the plaster casts, and as a result of being the photos that were taken, it's your testimony that there were no specific individual characteristics found too, by which you can say that the tires on Mr. Clifton's truck are the tires that made these tracks at these various locations. That's correct. Now, were any pictures of any other tire prints submitted to your laboratory? Yes, there were a number of photographs of tire prints, several of which looked as if there were overlaps of a couple of tire tracks. One, I believe, was that of a tire track that was not comparable to the ones on this truck, but I don't believe that was taken from any one of the three scenes we've talked about. Do you know where, actually, there were three of these photos? Isn't that correct? Of which? That you're just, that you're referring to that were not identified. Well, I believe it was three, or may have been one or two more. Mr. Morton, would you refer to the notes that you were reading from when you were discussing the tire tracks on direct examination? Yes. Okay, now referring to number, photograph number 19. Yes. And that you're stating is the left front track going towards the orchard, correct? That would be the left front track of the vehicle, I mean, tire on the vehicle. The left what, sir? The left front tire on the vehicle going toward the orchard. All right, now dropping down to the third line. Well, you can read the whole thing. Pattern comparable to left front and right rear, however, right rear wear pattern. Pardon me, Mr. Donahue, I have an objection. I'm not sure if this is in the form of a question or is reading his conclusion. If we could have the question and answer, the court. Why don't you just have him read it to himself and then ask questions, Mr. Donahue? All right, read it to yourself, please. Okay. Now, can you tell me from that photograph as to whether that was the left front tire going into the orchard? Are you talking about... Toward the orchard. Are you talking about the left front tire that I examined in the laboratory? I'm talking about the left front that you're referring to in the notes that you testified from, whichever one that may have been. Okay. I wasn't sure whether you were talking about whether it was definitely a left front tire at the scene or whether it was this, this left tire that I examined in the laboratory. I have not, as I've said before, I have not been able to identify specifically any of these tires. All I can say is that the pattern, the tread pattern, is comparable in these two tires and the wear pattern that's present on the left front tire is more compatible with the impression that is at the location of the left front, but I cannot make an identification. But it could also be the right rear, is that correct? The wear pattern is not as similar as the other one. I would, I would feel that it's not likely that it would be the other one because the depth of the impressions in the center of that tread in other words, there is some identifiable degree of wear that's apparent in those photographs. But is there enough wear in those photographs to say yes, it's one or the other? No, I've already said I can't say it's one or the other. All I can say is that the wear pattern that's demonstrated in the photograph is more comparable to the left front than to the right rear. Mr. Morton, did you have difficulty with in trying to compare these photos? We'll take List Avenue. The photos on List Avenue, by reason of the manner in which the pictures were taken, the lighting effects on the tracks. 
lighting will always create a, a problem in the interpretation of photographs. And one of the things you can do in examining photographs is consider what possible problems that lighting may create. On item number five, which would be the stand number five identifying the photo, I believe we're talking about List Avenue again. Number five, were you able to say that it was either the right rear or the left front? No, I could not make a statement to that effect. And that was due as because of a problem concerning the surface effect of the lighting. Surface effect and lighting, yes. The soil in that area, as I recall, was much more compacted and did not take as deep an impression as some of the other areas so that the effect that was observed could either be due to the fact that the impression did not take well, which would show sufficiently degrees of wear, or it may be due to the fact that the lighting was at such an angle that what little bit of impression that was there wasn't demonstrated in the photographs. So then, really what you're testifying is, is it has been the general characteristics of the tire is the way the manufacturer developed the tire. You're not saying that the wear pattern is any specific characteristic that you can identify and say these tires were the tires that made the tracks, the tires that were on Mr. Clifton's vehicle. I've said before, I cannot make an identification. However, there is some significance to the wear comparison. The very first thing we noticed here, besides the utter confusion of the testimony, Morton cannot and will not say that the tracks were made by a BF Goodrich Heavy Duty Express Nylon 715LT or a BF Goodrich Silverton Extra Mylar 715T. This is basic tire track identification 101. First identify the make, model, and size of the tire. Then, if that matches a particular vehicle, do an examination for individual wear characteristics that prove that that specific tire, to the exclusion of all others, made the tire track. This isn't a minor point. Morton not only failed to match the tire tracks to Clifton's truck specifically, he also failed to match the tracks to any make and model of tire. He was unable and unwilling to even say that the tire tracks were from a BF Goodrich brand tire or size 715T. He wouldn't confirm the make, model, or size of the tire that made the tracks. All he really said in all those pages and pages of testimony we just read is that the tread pattern was maybe kind of similar in the right light and only if you ignore half of the photos and all of the plaster casts, which definitely didn't match. The problem with so much of D.A. Ward's report is that he intentionally mixes true facts together with false conclusions. We've already done hours of podcasts and numerous blog posts on just one of those. It's true that Blake testified at trial that semen was present on Donna's pubic hair, but that did not mean that semen was DNA tested in 2011. As we've said, D.A. Ward has actual knowledge that the second statement is a complete lie, with no basis in fact, but everyone believes him, simply because he paired it with a true but unrelated fact. This isn't a gray area or spin. It's a violation of Ward's oath as an attorney and prosecutor. So what does Ward's statement actually technically say? Charles Morton is a criminologist who was working for IFS in Oakland. True. He examined photographs of the tire tracks taken at three scenes. True. He compared those photos to the inked impressions of Clifton's tires made by Hensley at the impound yard. Mostly true. This examination established that Clifton's vehicle had these two different models of tires in specific positions. Big whopping false. 
The specific make of tire and position were noted on the inked impressions by Hensley when they were created. So that question was never in front of Morton. Everyone knew which tires were on Clifton's truck. Morton's job was to identify which tires made the tracks found at the scenes. That never happened. Morton never identified one single tire from the tracks. I've said before, I cannot make an identification. The wording of the statement clearly makes the reader draw the inference of a match between the two exact tire makes and models and the tracks from the scenes. It's done with just a few key words. Morton compared these photographs with the inked impressions and this examination established the models and positions of the tires. Morton never identified any tire, make, model, or size from the tracks. But Ward's statement is worded to make you believe that Morton did. What Morton actually said was, I can't identify any specific make, model, or tire size from the track photos provided to me. Measurements from the plaster cast did not match either model of BF Goodrich tire, and those were positively excluded as being the tires that made the tracks on Road 176. Additionally, there are no specific characteristics in the photos that match specific damage or wear on the tires from the suspect's vehicle. I cannot say that the tracks were made by BF Goodrich tires or that they match the tires on the suspect's truck. All I can say is that in a few of the photos, it's possible that the tread pattern and wear might be consistent with those tires and truck, but it could also be that those characteristics were caused by the lighting and soil conditions rather than the tires themselves. This tire print analysis is like a tainted witness case. You can't start with a photo of the suspect, show it to the witness, and then ask them to attend a lineup. If Morton could not identify the make, model, and size of the tires from the tracks, he never should have moved on to any suspect vehicle. That's the basic science of tire track print identification and comparison. If you can't identify the print with any certainty, it's not of sufficient quality for comparison. This isn't science or the opinion of an expert in tire identification. It's a paid witness trying to confuse the jury. One thing that struck us about Donahue's questioning was the issue of missing evaluations of several photos and the plaster casts. Powell asked no question about what Morton's evaluation of the plaster cast showed. Did it produce any tire match? Donahue wasn't much better. He just summarized to Morton, the casts don't let you match the tire prints to Clifton's truck, do they? Looking at the lab notes, it's obvious that the plaster casts of the four tire tracks from Road 176 did not come from the BF Goodrich tires, let alone Clifton's truck. Lab analysis completely eliminated the tire prints at the underwear and Kotex scene, but that's not what the jury heard. We've already heard Johnson's testimony about the bike scene. He only photographed the print from a single tire, and that track had been overrun with another track. To hear the Tulare DAs explain it, you would think that Johnson had a complete set of tire tracks from a suspect vehicle near Donna's bike. No, it was one single tire, and there was no sign of the other tires from that same vehicle. Johnson took multiple photos of that one tire track, and then Morton testified over and over about the same tire, just referencing different photos. No measurements of that track were taken, and Johnson did not use a ruler so identifying the tire's make, model, and size was impossible. There was no scale to even begin an examination, let alone a comparison to Clifton's truck. 
Also, Hensley's wheelbase fiasco had nothing to do with this scene. Regarding the TCSO reports and lab notes for the location where Donna's underpants were found on Road 176 is infuriating. This is another location where there were tire tracks everywhere. It's a major road, with an irrigation ditch and grove siding road running along it. Pickup trucks drive around that scene all day, every day. How did TCSO McKinney choose the specific tracks he wanted Hensley and Johnson to photograph? And why were they so far from the actual location of the underpants? The answer is simple. If Clifton had dropped the panties on the east side of the road, he would have needed to do a U-turn to get back home. McKinney picked the only tire tracks that could have been caused by a U-turn. It was totally random. He didn't find the same tracks near the panties, and those weren't the only tracks in the area. They were just the best match for the location of Clifton's house. The tracks at 176 did show all four tires, so at least it was a better start than the bike scene. However, Morton's lab notes are certain and clear. The measurements from the plaster cast he created proved that they could not have been made by either B.F. Goodrich tire. To be super clear here, Morton did not identify the four B.F. Goodrich tires in those tracks. He excluded them. Additionally, the wheelbase of the tracks was 18 inches longer than Clifton's truck. Although the tire tracks were primarily on a curve at this scene, an attempt was made to obtain wheel measurements. They were approximately rear, 61 and one half, front, 64 and one half, wheelbase, 150 inches. Those tracks could not have been made by Clifton's truck. So why wasn't that the testimony at trial? Because Morton took the stand and testified that photos of the exact same tracks that he had excluded via plaster cast had treads similar to one of the BF Goodrich tires. He said he couldn't make a positive identification, but it was possible. For some reason, Morton decided that it wasn't an outright lie if there was a shred of truth. Looking at just that photo, it was possible that it was a BF Goodrich. It was also possible that it was a Firestone or any other make of tire. So if I understand it, there were no specific individual characteristics by which you could say that those four tires made those particular tracks as opposed to any other tire in the world. That's correct. Okay, now we're down to the last tire track scene, Neil Ranch. Bird had testified at trial that he saw two tracks right by Donna's body, and he was positive that they matched Clifton's truck and not the spray rig that drove next to her body when it was found. Let's see what Morton's lab notes say about those tracks by Donna's body. Apparently overlapped tire tracks. Do not use, in all caps. Okay, so obviously those tracks were not identified as BF Goodrich or matched to Clifton's truck. Next, we move out to the main Grove Road, which runs north-south. All of the rows of the Grove are accessed via this road. Pickup trucks and spray rigs drive over that stretch of road dozens of times per day, especially during busy harvest season in December. Some combination of Bird, McKinney, and King chose some fragments of tire tracks between 20 to 50 feet north of the row where Donna's body was found. Wait, did you just say north? Yes. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't the killer just drive west, straight down the row, and turn left on the road next to the canal? That's where the ski cap mask was found. That's obviously what Johnson thought the killer would do since he was searching that area when he found it. Alternately, if the killer's vehicle was on the road with Donna, he would have just turned left onto the Grove Road and headed south back towards Marinette. 
Even if the killer had been parked on the Grove Road headed north, it's quick and easy to turn around right there. We've done it several times. Let's go back to King's report and figure out why they were looking north instead of west or south. Reporting officer was advised by Sergeant Bird to assist Detective McKinney in an attempt to locate any tire tracks made by suspect vehicle. Oh, so they walked around looking for any tracks that could have been BF Goodrich tires. They couldn't locate any going west or south, so they told Hensley and Johnson to ignore all of the tracks going the obvious exit directions of the killer and photograph only the track fragments that were headed north. Well, at least they got a full set of four tires that obviously all belonged to the same vehicle, right? No. They found random fragments, never more than two tracks from the same vehicle together. Neither Morton nor Grubb ever identified any of those partial tire prints as belonging to a BF Goodrich tire. Additionally, most of the fragments have measurements that specifically excluded them as being from those tires. So once again, what Morton actually says at trial is that it's possible that some of the photos have a tread similar to one of the BF Goodrich models, but he can't say for sure. Again, there is no tire identification from the tracks. I have not, as I've said before, I have not been able to identify specifically any of these tires. We really can't say it enough times. Morton never identified those four BF Goodrich tires at any scene. He didn't even identify one track as belonging to a BF Goodrich. Not one. The closest he ever got was to say that a few areas of different tread photos could be consistent with one of those tires, but maybe not. Every single time he did casts or measurements for scale, he positively excluded the BF Goodrich tires. DA Ward didn't cut and paste from TCSO reports, Morton's lab reports, or Morton's testimony at trial. He just took past misstatements of fact made by prior to Larry prosecutors in reply briefs and cobbled them into a larger lie about Morton's conclusions and the nature of the tire evidence in general. Interwoven within all of the tire track testimony were a lot of references to footprints. None of the footprints that were observed at the bike or underwear scenes were intentionally photographed. Johnson and Hensley testified that they accidentally included footprints in two tire track photos. Unfortunately, most of the tire track photos we have are photocopies of photocopies. We've posted the original ones we have from the area by Donna's bike and the opposite side of the road north of the underwear scene. If either of those supposedly has a footprint in it, we can't make it out. Johnson said that the footprint in his photo belonged to David Richmond or Jim Diet, and Hensley said that his belonged to one of the deputies on the scene. We can't imagine how we'll ever know the truth since TCSO said they threw away all of the evidence photos. That leaves Neil Ranch. TCSO photographed a few heel prints in the dirt near Donna's body. Bird stated that they were from cowboy boots, but Morton testified that they could have come from any boot or shoe with that type of hard heel. To be clear, multiple people testified that Clifton was wearing his black, soft-sole slip-on shoes on 12-26-75. Those shoes were specifically made to fit with his knee brace. The brace came down over the bottom of the shoe and could not be worn with cowboy boots. Clifton didn't own any hard heel shoes, so that wasn't an option either. So who do we know for sure walked near Donna's body before Hensley took photos? Well, the spray rig driver, 
the coworker he called over, and their supervisor. We know those for sure, but there could have been more. Then we know there were at least three TCSO officers who walked around looking for tire tracks before Hensley and Johnson arrived to process the scene and take photos. Obviously, they immediately took photos, impressions, and plaster casts of all of the footwear from all of those people before they left Neil Ranch, right? Nothing from anyone. Not even a written note of what they were wearing. Zero. The only footwear that Morton was asked to compare to the heel prints were cowboy boots taken from Clifton's closet during the execution of a search warrant. This is shameful police work and junk science, so of course... Ward relied on it in his report. Mr. Morton also examined a photograph of a footprint taken at the scene where Donna's body was found and compared it to a pair of boots owned by and seized from the residence of Oscar Clifton. He concluded that in terms of general dimensions of the heel of Clifton's boot and a line impression on the heel that corresponded to a depressed area in the soil, the boot print found under the orange tree at the body scene was consistent with appellant's boot. Clifton also claimed to have worn his knee brace all day on December 26, 1975, and denied wearing his cowboy boots. As usual, Ward has included two true statements, but left out all of the other information. So, again, this statement is grossly misleading and ultimately untrue. Morton's testimony at Grand Jury, February 5th, 1976. Powell. Among other things, did you receive some cowboy-type boots? Yes, I did. All right, and were those the boots received from Mr. Johnson of the Brian Johnson of the Sheriff's Office in Tulare County? They were received from Vern Hensley. Vern Hensley transported them up to you? Yes, that is correct. All right, and did you also, among other items that you received, receive some photographs of some boot prints? Yes, I did. And did you have occasion to compare or make examination of these items, the boots and the photographs? Yes, I did. Would you tell us what you did and what your examination was and what you were able to conclude? Yes, there was among the photographs that I received was one labeled number 35, and this was purportedly a photograph of a boot print at the scene where the victim's body was found. I have that here. All right, proceed then. Yes, that photograph of the boot print was compared with our item number 11, which was identified as one pair of size 9D cowboy boots, brown in color, Oscar Clifton. These boots had a pattern in the heel which is comparable to the pattern found in the footprint at the scene. All right. At the scene, you mean the location where the body was found? Yes, that is correct. Morton's testimony at trial, June 29, 1976, direct by Powell. Did you also make an examination with regard to a footprint? Yes, I did. Did you bring an exhibit with regard to illustrate that? Yes. I have the photograph, which is number 35 evidence stand that was provided and which was made from the original negative. All right. And where was this footprint found? That was identified to me as being from the location of the body. Okay. And would you show us the other two or the other exhibits you have made? Yes. The other exhibit shows an enlargement of the area of the heel. This appears to be a left shoe or boot print due to the curvature that's shown in the sole area and with a fairly deeply impressed heel imprint. And this is a, an enlargement of the heel area of that impression and would correspond with this area. All right. Now, have you prepared something else which you compared these two? Yes, I have. They were compared with a pair of boots identified as item 11 in the 
in our evidence numbering. It was identified as a pair of boots of Oscar Clifton. I see. All right, now would you tell us please what your examination showed? Yes, it was very limited detail in this print, really, due to the problem of focus and the lighting. There is a correspondence in the general dimensions of the size of this heel impression and the heel shown in item 11. In addition to that, there is, within the center of the impression, a line that corresponds to a, a depressed area in the soil. And this corresponds fairly favorably in a general way. That is, rather than being a, uh, an individual characteristic that is due to a design pattern in the, the heel itself, and that... Donahue, just a moment, Mr. Morton. May I... Powell, may the witness finish his answer before he's interrupted? Court, there may be an objection here. I don't know about that. Donahue, there is an objection, and I would like to make it outside the presence of the jury. The court. All right. Donahue, while my objection goes to this, Your Honor, I do not believe this evidence is competent. I realize Mr. Morton is qualified as an expert. What he's not doing now, he's not giving us any opinion whatsoever. He just started off with an answer that begins, very limited in detail from focused difficulties with lighting. Now he's saying, well, there's something in here that's fairly favorable in general. Now, that doesn't, to me, that is not the testimony of an expert. My understanding of this is that Mr. Morton is saying, well, in this particular, these particular exhibits, we really don't have anything that we can say yes or no, it is or it isn't. We're just saying, well, we have something favorable in general. The court. Well, that goes to wait. This is something you can argue and bring out under cross-examination. I've already considered that when he gave his comparable answer as far as the tires are concerned, and this is certainly something that can be argued. Bring the jury back in. Continuation of direct examination by Powell. All right, now would you tell us then what you proceeded to do with these photographs and your findings, please? Yes. An attempt was made to determine whether there were any characteristics in the impressions that were found in the original heels. And there was some indication in a line on the left side of this heel impression here that is in the location of a length which is comparable to that found in the left heel. This line appears to be somewhat more defined than the right heel and is more comparable in length to the left heel than the right heel. All right, and what else did you find there? There is also some indication of a nail hole in the, at the end of that line. All right, and there is some indication of that in this enlarged photograph. Yes, it's right in this, in this area right here. All right, then is it your conclusion that the boot print made underneath the orange tree could have been made by Mr. Clifton's boots? Yes, it could have. All right, and is there any specific, I believe you called it specific individual characteristic about his boots and the heel mark that would say that his pair of boots and no other pair of boots in the world could have made that print? No, there is not. Cross-examination by Donahue. With reference to exhibit number 45, is this the only boot print or shoe print that was submitted to you for an attempted identification? No, there were other prints submitted. How many others? I, can't, I don't recall the number offhand. Can you give me an approximate number? Possibly four or five. These, the others that you were, that were submitted to you, were they supposedly taken around the scene where the victim was found, or do you know? 
I believe they were. Did you make any identification of any of the other photographs that were submitted to you? No, this appeared to be the print that had the most detail in it. And so those other photographs that were submitted to you of other prints could have belonged to other somebody else, some other shoe? I would have to look at them individually. If they're not identified, they could have been from possibly these or other boots. Okay, well, I assume you've already looked at them, haven't you, sir? Yes. All right, and since you've looked at them, I assume you did this at your laboratory up in Oakland. That's correct. Well, then, did or didn't, did you find any characteristics with any specific characteristics that you would identify as being Mr. Clifton's? No, I did not. Could you identify those other shoe marks with any shoes? It's unlikely that I could. Did you? No. Okay. Now, in reference to, I believe you said that somewhere in 46 or 45, there's something with a nail hole you were talking about? Yes, sir. Is that this area right here? It's... Related to this line, it's in this area right here. This appears to be the kind of impression that would come from a nail hole. It's shown right in this area here. All right, but even with that, what is the depth of this nail hole, looking at Plaintiff's Exhibit number 48? I did not measure the specific depth. Is this the same nail hole that you're referring to in Plaintiff's Exhibit number 45? If I were to say that, I would have to assume that that was the same boot. There's not enough information there to assume that. All right, so what we're really saying, Mr. Morton, is that anyone's boot could have made this impression, which boot was manufactured by the same manufacturer? No, not exactly. There are, in addition to the, to the configurations, which is only a limited part of the configuration of the boot or the heel impression, there is some indication of wear in that this line is longer here and in this impression than it is, say, for example, in the other boot. Any boot that had a higher degree of wear than this would leave a similar type of, or a different mark. Okay, well, what we're really stating here, sir, is that any boot that had similar wear could have made this impression that you've been asked to identify. Any boot with the same type of heel with similar wear. Yes, sir. Okay. The same type of boot, the same type of heel, the same type of wear, any boot like that could have made this impression. Isn't that what you're saying? That's correct. All right. Now, what did you do, if anything, to try to identify the sole print of this boot? An attempt was made to compare the impression of the sole, but there was no substantial amount of detail present in the impression that could be related to the boot itself. You have a problem. You have several problems in dealing with a print like this. In a surface such as a heel, you have a pattern configuration which gives you some orientation points. With a sole, it's a very smooth surface, and in this case, there is no place to get oriented. And if you find a, a location that looks like it might be similar, the problem of the texture of the surface, the dirt surface, and the problems of created by shadows, cast in lighting, make it difficult to identify the minute kinds of impressions that would be found on a soul. And as I understand it, that's one of your problems in trying to identify this boot print because there was, as I believe you testified, there was a very limited detail because of the focus and the lighting. Isn't that? That's correct. Correct? All right. Did you, let's see, I believe you had a boot submitted to you for comparison? Yes, that's correct. 
Did you make any other tests with that boot, such as soil samples? No, I did not. Did you make any tests for blood or blood stains? I believe Mr. Grubb in our laboratory examined those boots for blood. My question, sir, is did you? No, I did not. Was it done under your direction? Yes. Do you know the results of those tests? Yes, sir. They were negative. Negative. And what does that mean, sir? That means there was no indication of the presence of blood. All right. What about, and there was no, no soil samples involved? No examination of soil samples was made. Were any other tests made of this particular boot or pair of boots? No. Now, since you couldn't do anything with the sole, can you tell where the sole ended in that toe? No. You couldn't. So you can't tell us how long that shoe or boot was. Is that correct? That's correct. And is it correct that you can't tell us whether this was a boot or a shoe? That's correct. There is no question that Donahue made exactly the correct objection to both the tire track and shoe print evidence. The evidence was not relevant, and the judge should not have allowed any of that testimony. That was his job. Let's take a look at the rule that the judge was supposed to follow. All relevant evidence shall be admitted. Relevant means having any tendency and reason to prove or disprove any disputed fact that is of consequence to the determination of the action. The court, in its discretion, may exclude evidence if its probative value is substantially outweighed by the probability that its admission will a. necessitate undue consumption of time, or b. create substantial danger of undue prejudice, of confusing the issues, or of misleading the jury. Evidence is not relevant if it confuses the issues or misleads the jury. And, as Donahue argued, the tire and shoe print testimony had both effects. The judge was wrong. It was not up to the jury to weigh it. The jury assumed that the evidence was relevant just by the very fact that the judge allowed it. The jury assumes that it's important because an expert got on the stand and talked about it. Morton did not examine even one tire or shoe print from other vehicles or individuals known to be at the scene, but the jury didn't know he was supposed to do that. Morton never identified one single tire from a track print, but the jury didn't understand that. All statements regarding specific tire makes, models, and size came from the description of Clifton's truck in the impound yard, not the tire tracks from the scene. However, it's clear that that issue was totally muddled at trial, and D.A. Ward continues to use that confusion to mislead readers of his report. Donahue was also correct in his objection that Morton was not giving expert testimony, just vague opinion, unsupported by any scientific findings. His testimony was always a version of, I'm looking at this photo, and in my opinion, I see things that look like this other photo. He doesn't say anything about the measurements he took in the lab. He can't because they don't match. He doesn't refer to plaster casts. Why would he? The casts excluded both models of BF Goodrich tires. Morton specifically ignored all of the actual scientific examinations of the tire tracks from the scene and offered only cloudy opinion with a whole lot of qualifiers thrown in. The rules for admission of expert testimony have evolved a lot since 1976. While there's always been actual forensic testimony, like ballistic and fingerprint matches, expert opinion testimony was very new in the 1970s. Not surprisingly, it turned out that most of it was junk, and it led to many wrongful convictions. There's only one general rule for admission of expert testimony. It must be reliable. 
The courts have issued some guidance for judges making that determination. Whether the expert's technique or theory can be or has been tested, that is, whether the expert's theory can be challenged in some objective sense or whether it is simply a subjective conclusionary approach that cannot reasonably be assessed for reliability, the known or potential rate of error of the technique or theory when applied, the existence and maintenance of standards and controls, and whether the technique or theory has been generally accepted in the scientific community. The trial court's gatekeeping function requires more than simply taking the expert's word for it. It is not enough to be presented with only the expert's qualifications, their conclusions, and their assurances of reliability. Prior testimony in other cases is not evidence of qualification. The more subjective and controversial the expert's inquiry, the more likely the testimony should be excluded as unreliable. If the testimony is based on a completely subjective methodology, it should be excluded. The only qualification that Morton offered the court in regards to tire and shoe print expertise was the fact that he had given that type of testimony before. So, once he testified in one case, he called himself an expert. Clearly, he should have cited specialized training with access to resources for identifying the make, model, and size of tires and shoes from their prints. What reference materials was he using to make these identifications? Who trained him? How many successful identifications had he made? Not comparisons with known vehicles, but blind identifications. Part of his training should have been being given a print and preparing a written report identifying the make, model, and size. Had he completed that training? It seems like he would have mentioned it if he had. Standards and controls are another area where we take issue with Morton. He seemed to start out following the correct standards in his lab notes, and then he threw them out the window when he testified. He never made any proper identifications, so he shouldn't have moved on to comparisons, but he did it anyway. Morton should have insisted on sample prints from all of the footwear and tires known to have been at or near the scenes in the days around the events, but he didn't. Then he should have done a blind examination of all of the possible shoes and tires and written a comparison report for each one where it did and didn't match. Was it excluded, possibly included, or a likely match? It was impossible to be objective with only the suspect's tires and boots for comparison. Most importantly, the nature of Morton's testimony was 100% totally subjective. His testimony at court relied solely on his visual comparison of two photos. His conclusion, to my eye, they look like they could be comparable, it's a guess and it wasn't based in scientific facts or analysis, but rather his desire to give Powell something. Remember, there was a profit motive in all of Morton's work. If he didn't come up with results that supported his client, his lab wouldn't get hired on the next case. Finally, if it sounds as though we're accusing Morton of violating his professional standards and intentionally giving false or misleading testimony regarding the tire and shoe prints, we are. It's important to remember that on the very same day, Morton also testified that the blonde hair found on Clifton's sweater could have belonged to Donna. He said it was similar to both Donna and Clifton's daughter. Again, that was true on microscopic examination. However, Morton had conducted ABO testing on that hair and determined that it was type O, not Donna's type A. This testing was hidden from the defense and not disclosed until 2002. 
You'll notice that D.A. Ward isn't talking about that hair anymore. The tire testimony was exactly the same. Morton had lab work that conclusively excluded tracks from the scene as coming from the B.F. Goodrich tires. But he then sat on the stand and said he couldn't tell for sure when he looked at the photos. Morton did not disclose any of the exculpatory evidence and then pretended that there was still a possibility of a match. That's a lie. Thank you.